Welcome to Old Man Blurred. Hi, I'm John, and along with my friend Terrence, we make up a pair of lifelong geeks who happen to be black, over 50, but are certainly nerds first and foremost. The Alpha Geek and the Omega Freak. And we welcome everyone. And by everyone, we mean nerds, blurds, and bleaks, cosplayers and role players, geeks and freaks, Marvel zombies and distinguished competitors, Trekkies, Star Warriors, Bat Maniacs, and Spider fans, Warhams, Whovians, AFALs, adult fans of Legos, Tolkienites, Weeaboos, Supernatural Hunters, and Otakus, Ava Geeks, Bro Stars, and Sis Stars, Pokemon Trainers, Potterheads, Bronies, Whovians, Browncoats, and Scoobies, and all nerd properties in between. Because we are over 50, we've seen a thing or two and have experience, long experience, with a lot of these properties. So thank you for listening to Old Man Blurred. Howdy. Howdy. How goes it? <laughs> long time no see. Yeah, that's quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's the quickest strange we've ever been. Right? <laughs> well, it helps when I'm texting the correct number. <laughs> Fine. I was actually just looking at the wrong spots. Like, oh, he put on Facebook. Okay. Right. And then I got to hear it in text. It's like, oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> actually, I will delete this part when <laughs> I, I, I think I have two separate numbers for you is why. I have a 720 number and a 303 number. What's a 303 number? A 303690. Yeah, that's a landline. You're not going to get me on that. As far as okay. seeing me. As far yeah. as seeing me. But the 935, that's your that's the number. That's the real that's number. Okay. All right. Well, welcome everybody to yet another edition of Old Man Blurred. We are two elder statesmen in the nerd world, in the blurred world, in the uh, all things uh, interesting and entertaining in geekdom world uh dc marvel comics a little bit of everything right goodness yep a little bit of everything uh but because we're a bit older we uh experience we have a, a bit more experience than some of the respectfully johnny come late nerdlies <laughs> late lately's uh who uh never got pushed into a locker for having comic books or books about dungeons and dragons so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be turned on by other people because of what they like. Sure, sure, sure. So, which kind of goes to our nerd card problem today, right? Yes, and that's actually the the subject for today's conversation is nerd cred. Do we have nerd cred still? Um, the sort of changing world of nerddom is such that. Um, there's a whole lot of properties, a whole lot of things that a lot of people are exposed to that they probably wouldn't even consider nerdy anymore. I think that, you know, it's it's funny that now uh, saying you're nerdy just means that you might have a bit of a quirk <laughs> in your personality and like some interesting things. But, you know, it was a derivative. It was the N-word <laughs> for – but quite literally the n-word for some people um and was said right before getting abused and so do we have nerd cred i mean we still like all the things that used to be considered nerd properties but um those things aren't necessarily nerdy anymore i mean i could go to just about anybody on the street and say who's tony stark and just 15 years ago I could have asked that question, and unless it was at a comic shop, nobody would know. <laughs> no one True. would know who Tony Stark is. I could say, hey, you know, do you know who Tony Stark is? And they would be like, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they would get offered them $100. I'll offer you, I'll give you $100. You know who Tony Stark is. Yeah, Tony Stark is. Yeah, right. And now, you know, literally everyone 
<laughs> knows who Tony Stark is, which is kind of interesting because they turned sort of, uh, that's a whole nother subject for another time, but they turned Iron Man sort of into the main Marvel Universe person. And for me, it's always been historic. Like it's always been the Fantastic Four followed by Spider-Man. <laughs> that has been sort of the heart of the Marvel Universe. But they had it be Iron Man because they could get Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> so well, okay. I think one of the things is, is that we also got to understand the nerddom has expanded because what we used to call people n- nerds were also quirks and strange. Like you had a person who's crazy about animals. Now you got Animal Planet. Sure. Crazy about cooking. Now you got, you know, they call them foodies and they got cooks. Sure. And the cooking channel. Yeah, it's like I think there's been widespread acceptance of being into stuff. I think I I would argue that the end of hmm, sort of the end of religion in many people's minds in terms of a dominant force in people's lives has led fandom to increase. Oh, and yeah. I think that. Yeah. You know, the, there's now the Church of Superman and the <laughs> Church of X-Men and, you know, the Church of uh, Dungeons and Dragons or, or uh, Critical Role or Warhammer or whatever else. And so people well, are I think as... part of it is, uh, it, it, part of it is, sorry, part oh, of it ahead. is uh, uh, the passion of being when you were a kid and you wanted to be in charge or I'm the leader or all these other things because... We have a lot of crossover fusions, if you will. You know, we had Tank War, which was just like a shut up uh, one shot game. And now they have it as an actual intricate online MMO, even though it's still just a tank game mm-hmm. and a tabletop game that you can play. We we have and everybody wants to make money of creating their own universe, you know, the tank verse, even though that's not what existing. But you get my point. Sure. And what people don't understand is. Geekdom, as we said a podcast or two ago was basically a savior when people were down at the bottom, like you said, associated with faith or religion, but more of just belonging and acceptance, or even could I say a cigarette? Because uh-huh. you, you know, you have people they have a cigarette and they start a conversation. Well, we do the same thing. We see, is that a Batman shirt? Sure. You know, like I went to the bank once and this girl had her sleeves all covered up. All covered up. But I saw just the slightest. Is that Spider Man? She had a tattoo of Spider Man, but the webbing was just showing just under her shirt, huh. on her on her wrist, on her wrist. But he's like, "Oh yeah, most people don't notice this because we have Geekdar, man. Sure, <laughs> Geekdar. But it's not to, yeah, but it's not to. It's not as a superpower. It's more of, as a survival trait. Sure, you kind of had to know who was in. I mean, I imagine it is a bit like any number of sort of cultures and subcultures where you have to know the identifiers to know, oh, okay, this person might be cool. I mean, it used to be as simple as seeing a superhero t-shirt, really, because very few people used to be the only way you could get a superhero t-shirt was at the comic store. Exactly. Well, uh, to you, a degree, it's the same way with music now. I mean, you you know some obscure band or whoever. I'm not talking about like, like Kiss that just retired last night. But, uh, you know, some major band in some little subculture, you might only get their t-shirt from their, their plane. So you still have that connection from that. Sure. And I think that like one of sort of the genres that I, I listen to quite a bit of is is death metal. And so you know, with the completely illegible, unreadable <laughs> band logos, you just know it's like, ah, you like, <laughs> you like cattle decapitation. I know you. <laughs> Did you see that show? And then you have an opening for a conversation. Um, but exactly. now, um, I don't know that there is all of the signifiers when it comes to geekdom, really, because you know, like you say, a lot of people now are. Um, you know, really into some of this stuff, and you know, it, it it doesn't mean that they know anything about it. It's like they they have all of these videos now. I don't know if you've seen these online, where they'll go up to some teenager that's wearing a Led Zeppelin T-shirt and say, "Hey, uh, do you know any Led Zeppelin songs?" And they don't. They're wearing it just for fashion. They they don't know any Led Zeppelin songs or any Kiss songs or any Slayer songs. They're just wearing it because they're wearing it. 
And, you know, so now because you can get all of these things anywhere, arguably any hot topic, any uh, mall typically will have some of these T-shirts, Spencer's and all of that sort of things, which is still kicking. I'm surprised Spencer's is still around. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's still Spencer's. It basically looks like hot topic, but it's called Spencer's. And I guess they maybe they still have gags and practical jokes and and all that kind of stuff maybe i don't know uh, i didn't venture to go in because i just was like oh, i'm not cool enough for this this store <laughs> so, so well not... you know hot topic is the is the combination golf golf comic book anime store yeah it's mostly i would say arguably a lot of anime um which you know in terms of anime that was even harder to come by like if you had a spider-man shirt okay you probably you know go to the comic store every wednesday and you picked one up at mile high or something like that um but anime if you were getting that stuff you might have had to go actually to japan (laughs) <laughs> or some convention or, or some or some convention and that was you know there weren't even a whole lot of conventions you know i mean this is in the days when crunchyroll was a thieving site that had illegal downloads of content um not the juggernaut that it is now um but yeah it's uh so if you saw someone with some anime you were like whoa wow because i mean even comic stores had little if any manga they would have comic book versions i remember oh my goddess and dirty pair comic books they might mm-hmm. have they might have had some uh robotech comic books back in the day um mm-hmm. stuff like that or you know um cryman freedom or what was it cryman i think it was i think it was cryman uh cry i thought it was cryman or something like that but yeah you but you you very rarely even saw anime at a, or manga at comic stores and now you you know one of the largest sections at Barnes and Noble is their manga section exactly so and, and, well see you got to think about a couple of things one we have gotten older and gotten money and I'm talking about our generation not us sure <laughs> <laughs> we're still broke <laughs> we're, we're still very broke uh yeah. yes that's true but I mean and so I think over time I don't know how the manga thing caught on I really I I mean I just remember like the manga section being small for a bit and then just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And now you can see, basically, you can go to any bookstore and find manga. They have to have manga. The problem, I think, though, is because manga, you know, they'll, they'll have these volumes that might be, you know, 30, 40, 50 volumes of something. Uh, they might have just a spotty chunk of them. So you're like, oh, yeah, that's great. They have Evangelion 2 <laughs> or 12, but they don't have one. So you can't ever really start. So they still, I think there's still some bugs in the system. But I think manga producers, I'm sure Viz or, gosh, who's even left now? Um, uh, probably, well, there's still um, Shonen Jump and such, but they are releasing bigger collections of stuff. Mm-hmm. Or you'll mm-hmm. see the entire One Piece 1 through 27 or something like that. You'll have that happen at bookstores. But it that's the thing is how can you have credibility, nerd credibility, when everybody's consuming nerd products? I mean, it sort of it, – it might actually be, both positively and negatively, something that is coming sort of to a close in a way. Um, nope. You don't think so? Well, I mean, think of it this way. TV dinners. Sure. Uh, microwave dinners. Sure. Does that does that Salisbury steak taste better than the one you can make? You know, because it took you longer. All, all it is is save your time. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing about all the uh, geek stuff. True geeks know when that showed up and saved their life. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean, you know, do yourself harm. Just maybe not do something stupid. Maybe sure. Not feel so alone. Or... Sure. Exactly. 
So that moment, that's always going to be us, period, versus the the mainstream, I don't know what you want to say, wannabe, the dime store geek, or <laughs> poser. <laughs> poser, whatever. But you're a poser. Yeah, that used to be the worst thing you could call a kid back in the day if you were into punk or metal, is call him a poser. <laughs> and, and see, the problem is they never accepted. They never accepted when you were not part of the mainstream stereotype of what they thought it would be like. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't feel like I ever got called a poser because most of the time I was the person that was into the thing before most people were into the thing anyway. You know, there was a period mm-hmm. of time when. I, this dates me right here. It's like I saw a concert that was the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, and Smashing Pumpkins at a pretty small place. <laughs> Where none of them would be able to even play a venue that size anymore. They would have to play. I, Red Hot Chili Peppers would probably have to play, but play something like the Pepsi Center at this point. Fiddler's Green, for those of you in Colorado. Um you know, but yeah, real small place. You know, I remember seeing bands at really small places and then, you know, something happened. I think Nirvana mostly. <laughs> Nirvana mostly happened and then everything that was sort of underground or alternative musically just became huge. And Lollapalooza followed that too. It was like, oh, you... I remember the first time, I, the first year of Lollapalooza that I went to, it was all the people I'd been going to shows for forever, dancing at goth places and punk places and all that and uh new wave places and metal places um and then the second year it was just (laughs) the people that beat up the people that used to go to those shows it was very different and so yeah how do you have nerd cred when everything is available you know well i think one of the things we also have to address is that nerd is a subculture and we can use even Sturgeon as in Sturgis. Oh, Sturgis, the yeah, the biking, the motorcycle, yeah, the biker place. Yeah, they, they, they'll talk about how it, it was a become a family event. It's not the same. Well, that's because, you know, that girl who's running around in Skim Skimp and you got married to. The easy Rider. Doesn't want her kids seeing that anymore. I mean, sure. <laughs> she was on the cover of Easy Rider in the 70s. <laughs> but now she wants to bring her kids <clears throat> to Sturgis. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's true. I mean, and so I think the nerd culture thing is still the same. I It's funny because, um, you know, I think there's still the same uh, touchstones. You get into this, you still, there's still certain things that sort of, there's still some bastion of nerddom that's left, even though these things are very mainstream. Like, sure, everybody knows who Tony Stark is, but do you know who Alan Moore, the writer, is? You know, do you know who Jack Kirby is? Everybody knows Stanley. Yeah, it's fine. He put himself in every single movie. Uh, meeting him was really sad for me because it was like, it literally felt like, keep signing, Grandpa. <laughs> and they were just shuffling us along to meet him and shake his hand and have him sign stuff and he was like what i just did not seem like he was 100 percent there uh, having a good time uh it was sad it felt like forced labor like his daughter or something was forcing him to get out there and make some money um so everybody knows stan lee but do people know alan moore do people know grant morrison I mean, you, if you know some of these people, then, you know, do you know, uh, George Perez, um, some of these people, if you don't know them, you're, 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 you're a poser, I guess. <laughs> well, and also they don't understand how just the connections of different things. What I mean is like the guy who created Wonder Woman ironically created the, the first lie detector. Sure. Sure. And, you know, it, it was it William Marston, was, I think. Yeah. 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 And so, and. He, and he was also a, a, a bigamist. Yeah, he was polyamorous. Yeah. So, I mean, he was super ahead of the curve. Um, you know, that's why I think a lot of those early Wonder Woman covers were kind of bondage covers. <laughs> so she was always seemingly tied up. Why was that? 
<laughs> I don't know. So I think that yeah, I think there's a there was a little a flair for some some light S and M stuff that he was also into. Um, yeah, and that makes those, those you know your your nerd cred still there. Um, you know, and I, I the thing about you know having a podcast called Old Man Blurred, I'm definitely leaning into yes, a more experienced. A person who has liked things that were once called nerdy. And there is some credibility that we have built into having been part of some of these properties for 40 plus years. Um, you've seen, we've seen plenty of highs, plenty of lows, and we're not shocked by, oh, you know, someone's dead. Okay, sure. Well, wait a few years. <laughs> In a comic book, anyway, they'll come back. Um, well, and also the problem is sometimes when it comes to sometimes, as I've mentioned before, there are 8 billion people. We have to address lightly even the negatives in a positive sense, if that's the best way to put it. Uh-huh. And what I mean is like uh, Harry Styles slash Star Fox. Uh-huh. Marvel Comics. Uh-huh. The ability to make someone want to get intimate with someone they wouldn't normally want to get intimate with. Sure. You know, you, you have the people, well, that's not acceptable, but that's how the character was created in the first place. What did you expect? Sure. Yeah. And yeah. we, as, as our credit, we know that. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the poser jumped up, well, that's not appropriate. What they didn't understand is that geekdom doesn't care about what's appropriate. No, no, it was it 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 was always a bit transgressive. It, it was, you know, I, I now people who would be, you know, I, there's so many people now that sort of even brag about being on the spectrum, you know. But there was quite a few people, such as yourself, that you know were on the spectrum that happened to be within involved in geek culture. But now they there's people that sort of brag about that, like look how unique and different I am, and it's like, well. Uh, slow your roll <laughs> you know well, i mean it, it's like we were saying earlier about trans race you know let's be honest it could be trans neurodiversity <laughs> sure different nerd different neuro tribes yeah and i think that you know a lot of people no, are... no i mean so i'm pretending to be they take the slightest action you know well, oh I'm sure so yeah i must have adhd no no just a butt. yeah you sometimes know? it's like oh it's like you know uh, yeah i'm on the spectrum it's like well maybe you have a little bit of adhd but you know uh, maybe uh, it's not for me to judge, but I definitely think, yeah, that, that there is this desire for uniqueness and sometimes it manifests itself in, you know, being, uh, you know, a geek. Sometimes it manifests into being into punk or whatever else and using these broad sort of signifiers that say, look, this is the group. This is my tribe. Um but in having talking about sort of nerd cred, it's like, I guess, I you know, I don't know who we would even trying to be having credibility with <laughs> at this point. Ourselves. It's, I guess it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a, <laughs> a civilization of one. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, well, what I mean is, it's like, for instance, the best example is I always use is the Joker. Mm-hmm. And why I say it is because there have been so many actors who have played the Joker. Sure. And and because of each actor's influence, Heath Ledger being the biggest as far as the time period. Mm-hmm. Because to us, it was Jack Nicholson. Sure. Yeah. Which, you know, you know, at the time, I think we uh, there was a lot of us that had problems with Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Excuse me. That, that had problems with Jack Nicholson and had problems with Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, I thought, knocked it out of the park. Jack Nicholson was fine. Not I, I, I tend to like a skinnier <laughs> a joker <laughs> I, I, I like well a, i like a lanky you know weird looking uh joker. wiry wiry, wiry. yeah a wiry big jawed joker but you know i think he got that because of his smile and he had a little power they needed to actually go we don't know if we can if this movie is going to be big so we better put some big people in it <laughs> and little well, did little did they know at the time, you know, Dark Knight Returns wasn't even that old. Watchmen wasn't even that old. No, no, they weren't. I mean, so comic books were at their the height of the first wave of comics aren't for kids anymore. 
kinds of articles. That was at the very in, beginning. In a long of that. time. Because, you know, because remember, that was the first war they had almost 100 years ago was that very same argument. Yeah. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. this, the the uh, the book Seduction of the Innocent that caused all those uh, comics to get burned, which is why it's hard as heck to find Golden Age comics. Um, and that's one of the things we should also address is who are these people who decide what we should or shouldn't have? Yeah, well, I, I, the sad thing is, is I think we're getting we're edging close to that again. Um, there are plenty of places and they're not just in southern states that are wanting to ban books. And, you know, the jokes that I made in the first episode of That So Quantum had a lot to do with it's like, you know, these are people these people are they never go away away. They're always around. And it's always under some guise of protecting the children. And next thing you know, they ban stuff. And I think comics are off their radar for the moment because they do, at least from the movie standpoint, look a bit like rah, rah, America, go, yeah, go, kind of. Um, But, you know, if you, the boys certainly isn't. you know, as a comic book or as a a television show is definitely saying some transgressive things. And, um, you know, there's definitely things within the medium that are still challenging and still transgressive and could find themselves getting, you know, uh, under that lens of being banned right now. The only thing that they seem to be wanting to ban is stuff that's explicitly about history or LGBTQ issues. But, you know, it doesn't take them that long to start to move into, oh, well, you know, we can't have this woman in this tight dress. So out with your black cats and your (laughs) cat womans and all of that, uh, your Electras. Um, So, you know, I, it, it might take a while, but I think they could certainly get there because all it takes is some crazy parent to open up some comic and heaven forbid they open up something like a Faust <laughs> or, well, or a Zap comics or something like that that their kid has. And it's like it's all over then. Well, see, that's the problem is that we have never we never challenged them at their level. And what I mean is I know we'll prove how you know. Because the first thing they'll say, well, God, so God is going to sit up here and be a writer. I mean, you're not trying to be sarcastic and you're not trying to challenge based upon faith. But the the logic is, is simply, I always use the logic of Solomon Gomorrah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only thing we know God in the Bible did not want around. And you can't go there to visit. Sure. Right. So sure, if he it. feels that way, don't you think that book would not be printed? I mean, oh, you know what? You all of a sudden uh, got a headache. You forgot what you're writing. Well, and I think that what's interesting is all of these people that are like, you know, they want to ban all these books, but they want the Bible to be in school. It's like there's some crazy things in the Bible. <laughs> there's oh, yeah. there's in the there's example. incest, there's murder, there's killing a guy because you want his wife. <laughs> there's all kinds there's stonings, there's I mean there's a lot of crazy stuff in the Bible that isn't PG by any means and um you know i don't think i do i understand people not wanting their children to be exposed to everything because you you know you do want to sort of um parse that out as a child gets older i'm not going to have my grandson read swamp thing but i can have my granddaughter who is 14 read swamp thing uh so you know that you know you do have to be age specific but yeah i it's like who are they to say that you know you can't you know read this or read that but you know the good news i feel i could be wrong but i feel like the satanic panic of the 80s is mostly gone like no one's really going after musicians no one's really going after comics they're not really going after movies or anything like, remember the last temptation of Christ and how yes. people lost their freaking minds over that. Um, yeah. They lost it over that. And um, you know, because I guess you can never forget America was started by slave owners and Puritans. So <laughs> we never get too far away from those notions. Uh, 
Yeah, I. But now I don't think a, a last temptation of Christ would would even cause a ripple, really, because you know we're no longer a society that everybody's watching the same three or four channels. Everyone, you know, is going to the same half a dozen movies. I mean, there everything is too diffuse and spread out. I mean, you can be a person who never goes to the movies at all, watches nothing but YouTube. You could be a person who sees mainstream movies, but only the superhero ones or only the Fast and Furious ones. You, you know, there isn't, society's too broad, too big for everyone to be doing the same thing anymore, which is why, you know, things don't really go viral anymore. You know, they might get a blip of, you know, a few hundred thousand people looking at them, but you don't have these things where everybody is like, oh, everybody's watching American Idol. Yeah, that those days are, I think, gone. So maybe the nerd thing is going to stay in place because there's always these subcultures and now these subcultures are getting exactly, back to being smaller. You just, you just described one of the ones there, the Fast and the Furious. I mean, we could say there's superheroes light. Because you know as well as I do, the physics they do with the cars are not realistic. No. But it is a uh, driving fantastic, if you will, fantasy or what? But yeah, you I guess. Run around, you know, they don't want, because we've had discussion many times about how they'll jump up, especially like Jodie Foster's news when they chime in about she hopes superhero movies go away. And as I've said to you a hundred times, if not more, is because the way the system is now, people need a savior. They need someone who wears the white hat. They need someone who straightens up the situation. Sure. That's why certain villains are around, saw, jigsaw. And that's why the superheroes are around. Because well, you want someone to stop it. Well, and I, I do think I understand, because I've I'm a bit done with superhero films myself, frankly. And that's, you know, if if you told a 12-year-old me that there's, you know, that the biggest movies in the world are going to be superhero movies. I'd have laughed at you. And then if you told that same <laughs> me, Oh, and you're going to get sick of them too. <laughs> and I'd be like, what really? But I mean, yeah, I have, I haven't seen uh quantum mania. I haven't seen the Marvels. Um, I'll see them eventually maybe, but I think, and I, I, I am, very against people who are like, oh, they don't really say anything or do anything. It's like, you know what? When we, for decades, for decades, American cinema was dominated by Westerns. For decades. You know? There you go. There's my argument right there. It's like, I, and I've seen even the deepest of Westerns, and they're not any more deep than uh, the average uh, Marvel property or DC property. Um, arguably, they're less deep than some of the televi- television versions of DC and Marvel characters. The D- the television televised characters, I think, are a bit more, uh, a little deeper. Jessica Jones was deeper. I thought that that was that was great. Um, Arrow, Flash, they you know they would touch on some that because it's just, they're doing serialized remakes of a serialized property i mean i think comics work better as tv shows personally than as movies um but you know i i you know i kind of want to tell people like jodie foster and all you know all of these folks it's like slow your roll some of the movies you think of as being super deep really really weren't they really weren't that deep i've i mean i'm a huge martin scorsese fan they're not that deep a film they really aren't. <clears throat> now, David Lynch, I'll give you, is those are some deep films. Uh, some Vem Vendors movies, these are deep films, sure. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola goes there sometimes. But some of these movies, they're not that deep. And, you know, she was in Contact. Contact raised some pretty interesting issues. Um, but it, it wasn't as deep as the average sci-fi story. It wasn't as deep as arguably some of the better episodes of Star Trek Next Generation or, or Doctor Who. Um, so, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, being sick and tired of superhero properties. I get it. Um, you know, 
certainly there's plenty of reason to be sick of them because they are just ubiquitous right now. But some of these movies I have been genuinely touched by way more than other movies that people say are quote unquote deep. I mean, I love Wes Anderson films. Most Wes Anderson films are arguably stylistic journeys more than emotionally deep journeys. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's without a doubt. And also what they don't understand, as you touched upon, the Westerns are the best example. I mean, The Magnificent Seven, the new one with Denzel Washington came out less than 10 years ago. Sure. So, and it, so, and it was... You know, I think, and it was Magnificent Seven, the original was just a ripoff of The Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa. I mean, Western movies, Western movies were arguably bad imitations of Japanese samurai films. I'll ride or die with Akira Kurosawa. I love those movies. And sometimes they could get really deep. But, and Star Wars itself was based a little bit on the Hidden Fortress. So, you know, there are movies, samurai movies and different movies, action movies that can get deep. Uh, But, you know, I understand everybody's sick of superhero films, but I kind of would like to say, you know, some of your back catalog, Jodie Foster, Bad News Bears, isn't that deep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it isn't it isn't super transformative i'll give you the accused i'll give you silence of the lambs but you know if they decided to really do john constantine's hellblazer like the way the comics are it'd be better than silence of the lambs because he goes there all the time you know yeah, what you say i mean because it's the same thing and this is not to criticize because you want to silence the lambs not to criticize Anthony hopkins sure but i still like brian cox's Hannibal Manhunter, Manhunter, yes. yeah, Manhunter. Yeah. I thought was great, you know, and it was a little grittier, a little, you know, a little edgier. I thought in some ways, um, you know, and, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw Silence of the Lambs, and I, I like I said, I thought it was fine. Um, it, it was tense. It was there. It was suspenseful. Best picture. Don't know about that. <laughs> like well, and that's a and that's a taste thing perhaps but i just think that there are seven i think does what silence of the lambs did arguably better yes and, um but i think that you know uh anthony hopkins uh hannibal lecter choose up so much scenery and other things <laughs> that you know it, it was a very amazing performance but the movie app beyond him i didn't particularly buy jodie foster's southern accent i didn't you know didn't i i i felt like uh, from a a cinematic standpoint it felt like just the way the average special victims unit or criminal intent or show is filmed now i didn't feel like it was you know like some great expression of cinema uh, cinematography you know well, yeah he was only in his scene he only did 12 minutes he's the short, shortest amount of time to win an oscar in the world yeah yeah and so mm-hmm. i you know i so i mean i i feel like yes these are the you know i just i just would love to have a platform in which i tell all of these people that are so uh superhero films i'd be like let's look at your back catalog because I'm willing to bet in your back catalog, there are at least a half a dozen films that aren't even as close to the depth of your Black Panther or your, you know, Avengers Endgame or, you know, come on. It's like, just cool your jets a bit, you know, get off your high horse for a second, <laughs> you know, and uh, look at the, I mean, like, yeah just look around you and say okay yes some of these are very broad black and white good guy bad guy kind of tropey things and some of it can be simplistic but some of these things involve some of the heights of human endeavor like you know self-sacrifice i mean almost all all of those movies deal with self-sacrifice you know and Right now, we could use a bit more self-sacrifice. <laughs> well, one of the problems also is what they don't understand is a lot of times the writers 
of these movies, they have a formula or whatever, and I'm not judging because I'm not a writer, I'm a scribbler. Sure. But, <laughs> but to call upon something without the essence of the character, like you were saying about uh, Michael Keaton, we were all against Michael Keaton because Night Shift and the Dream Team and, you know, Beetlejuice. Sure. And then here he comes, and we realized that he was able to play the dichotomy of Bruce Wayne versus Batman. Sure. Yeah. You know, because everybody always goes, well, the real real person is Batman and not Bruce Wayne. And that's always been argued back and forth. But the reality is, in his case, they were both, they're just walking hand in hand. Sure. Yeah. And then, you know, like we were saying about Keith Ledger, and I mean, this is, again, going back to the nerd card, not nerd card. They'll jump up, like we're sitting up here, we can appreciate all the characters. Mm-hmm. And they'll jump up and say, well, you know, Heath Ledger is the best Joker instead of going, how? What? How? We mean, other than your interpretation and you wanting to say that he is the greatest, how is he the greatest? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to talk about the practical Joker, that was Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about someone who is pulling puppet strings, that was Heath Ledger. Sure. You want to talk about the one that was closest to being like Saw, as in Jigsaw? That would be Cesar Romero. Sure. Because those traps would kill you. Sure. Well, Mm -hmm. I think the thing that is interesting, and this is, uh, I guess every generation gets the Joker it deserves, (laughs) or the Joker (laughs) it needs. And that's why the newest Joker is, you know, Joaquin Phoenix being, you know, kind of an incel, you know, uh, psychopath. It's kind of like the difference between... Uh, Sean Connery's James Bond and um, Daniel Craig's James Bond. It's like, oh, Daniel Craig plays him the way we actually think a spy would be, which is a bit of a sociopath. (laughs) You know? Um, But that comes with more knowledge of how these things are. Um, You know, it was easy to imagine a Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark because we now have, you know, Elon Musk, we have Jeff Bezos, we have Bill Gates, we have these sort of tech tycoons, and we can kind of imagine it a bit. But, you know, once upon a time, it was just like, what? I mean, I didn't really, they didn't have a good handle on Tony Stark in the comics until, gosh, practically recently, I think Matt Fraction arguably did sort of the best thing i mean they just sort of had him be kind of a batman basically bruce wayne kind of thing um yeah except it was his suits yeah except that yeah he just would tinker on his suits and all of that then the iron wars uh the uh i think those were that was a good run too i don't know if bob layton did that or not but you know, a lot of these characters, they didn't even know how to write them because we didn't have the technology or the history or the background to understand it. You know, that's why everything, you know, all of the Marvel characters, it's all radiation. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, it's always radiation. It's, it's, yeah, just they got, they went up in space and some rays hit them and now they're fantastic. Um, because the one they, that gets me is that all the Marvel characters always have to have a massive problem. And people go, well, their DC characters are always boring. And to me, realistically, yes, I'm a DC freak, but the realistically, I think sometimes it should be more like like a, a, a father or a bigger brother. And, and what I mean by this is you're up there trying to do a, a hook shot, and you're like three feet, and the basketball is like seven feet up. Mm-hmm. And your bigger brother just picks you up and makes it so you can make that shot. Mm-hmm. that would be more realistic of how DC heroes are sometimes. It's like, okay, here's a little helping hand and then go about their business. Sure. And I think that, you know, you see the progression because in, in the golden age, it was like maybe they'd fight some mo- mobsters or slumlords, you know, or maybe some, the, the, they, they would of course do racist things where they're fighting the Japanese or the Chinese and making it very stereotypical. But then Marvel came up and it was the 60s and things were, you know, there was actual problems. And then DC in the 70s with Denny O'Neill and uh, what was it, Denny, that whole run with Green Lantern and Green Arrow. Yeah. Was that, yeah, Denny O'Neill and uh, Neil. Neil Adams. That's right. Those and those were like addressing drug use and racism and, and housing discrimination and all of these things. Um, cults. And then, you know, 90s, oh, my dog's being 
difficult now. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, you know, and then the 90s, they got a little bit more grim and gritty because then it was all everything turned into either the Punisher or Deadpool or Wolverine for a bit. And DC kept losing ground because the only way they could kind of compete was with Batman because the rest of their heroes, they just couldn't quite they weren't supposed to, they weren't really supposed to be, they were supposed to be fun. You know, they weren't supposed to be these hardcore. Real, yeah. They weren't supposed to be these hardcore realistic things. Um, that That's what vertigo was for. And I think I, to this day will t- say to anybody who wants to hear it, DC did adult comic book fans better than Marvel ever did. Marvel still hasn't quite stuck the landing with dealing with their aging fans. Whereas DC, they had Vertigo and you had Hellblazer and you had Swamp Thing and you had Kill Your Boyfriend and you had, uh, you know, all those comic books, uh, you know, Shade the Changing Man, which I loved, all those comic books that were really for older people. Um, And so I think all of that naturally leads to a place where then you get to the deconstruction of superheroes. And that's where you get to the Watchmen's and the Rising Sun uh, stars and Miracle Man and uh, boys. Yeah, the boys, all of those were deconstructions of the superhero thing. And it looks like we're already in that place because now that the boys television show is out there it's kind of like oh well we're now at the part where people get sick of superheroes and they want to see what superheroes would really be like if they really exist in the world and then you know probably for a while superhero films will stop being made until they remake something else because marvel probably could wrap it up after this next wave you know make your blade make your next doctor who strange or whatever um but you know call it a day and let it go back to the comics but the problem is is that a lot of those people who are fans all these kids they're not picking up books i don't think i think they're picking up i think they're picking up some but i don't think what people wanted to have happen in the comic book world is actually happened i think it's still 30 something and older dudes reading comics i think manga has taken a bunch of people and yeah. I and I think that uh, I don't think that the superhero movies were necessarily getting people to read whatever, you know, some I mean, I'm sure there's some people who are watching the Sandman television show, which I, I guess got renewed is getting is getting ready to film again, I guess. Uh, you know, maybe there are people that are watching that and then going, hey, I'm going to check that out. But I don't think that I, I I don't think that's happening. You know what we need to do? We need to try and get Chuck from Mile High Comics for multiple reasons. We need to talk to, to see where he thinks the industry is going. You know, that'd be kind of interesting. Now that I think about it, there's a bunch of things we could talk to Chuck Wazinski about. But um, creator or you know main man at Mile High Comics, the chain that sort of I think created the comic book industry in Colorado. Um, it'd be interesting to talk to him to see what is, I mean, I, I don't know if he'd necessarily give us sales data, but you know, are sales kind of continuing? Are new fans coming in? I don't know. Well, that's true. Because mm-hmm. uh, one of the things, I mean, going back to the nerdum and the or nerd card, what people don't understand is that um, it gets off the subject a little in an indirect way, but it's like we mentioned once before about Star Trek, Star Wars, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. You know, the biggest ones are Star Wars and Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And even in some ways, bigger is Star Wars, in some ways, Star Trek. Star Trek usually does better on television. Star Wars usually does better in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. But think... Godzilla mm-hmm. is uh, the smaller, but they're loyal. And sure. that's what's going to happen with comic books. I think so. I think I think so. But the problem I think that all of these things have is that if you're not bringing new people in, and maybe that's where the nerd credibility thing comes in, is that it's maybe it, it behooves us as nerds and blurds and geeks and freaks and all manner of fandoms in between is to pass it on. I mean, you always pass it on to your children and maybe your nieces or nephews. But, you know, I think that if these things are going to really survive, um, they're really going to have to um, 
find ways to appeal to other generations. I'm sure, you know, the digital comic book world has helped. Um, that reminds me, I let my Marvel Universe digital subscription lapse. I need to get that again. But because um, I think if people can read them on their tablets, yeah, you're going to, you can, you can conceivably get kids still doing it. Um, but I think generation X might and millennials might be the last generation to really be comic book collectors because, you know, I, there wasn't a whole lot of, for us to do. I mean, there was a lot of things for us to do as generation X people when we were younger, but there was nothing that really occupied, sucked all the air out of the room, the way video games and social media do now for younger generations. I mean, you would play outside uh, and then maybe when the sun set, you'd come in and you, you'd read some comics or read, read books, uh, video games. I mean, as great as Atari was, they weren't so captivating that you would just stay there for hours and do it. You know, they just weren't good enough in a way they were good enough to do for periods of time, but they weren't like now, you know, I, I can play Baldur's Gate three and I wake up and it's like, Oh geez, I've been playing this game for three hours. <laughs> But that's a lot different than trying to play Pac-Man or Asteroids. You just, you know, you might play for an hour or so, you know, some hardcore video game people maybe <laughs> would play longer. But I think that's why there was comic books occupied that space. But now video games are just too good to not play for long periods of time. Well, yeah. And but like I said, it's the same thing. Like we were talking about Westerns. That's a very good example. Westerns will always be around. Sure. Comic books will always be around too. Because you look on Kickstarter, they got the little small companies, you know, and, and DC by being part of Discovery, Marvel by being part of Disney, they're not going nowhere. No. The problem is, is that they don't know how to please to make it so that others want to come in. When I talk about Magna, Magna is a acquired taste and it's not a good taste or a bad taste. It's like steak versus fish. Sure. You know, it's not it's not a bad thing. But as far as those who understand, because there's always gonna be that one magnet you like, whether you like it, you know, whether you like it or not. But as far as comics go, when it comes to comics, you will want one, but then they go sit it there and we were saying earlier about the diversity and these all, all these other things, rather than just let you sit there and just watch. Because mm -hmm. you just want to watch a good hero. Or watch a good story or watch the character yet again they lost their powers you don't i mean if you like the character it's not old but after a while it does that's where it starts to suck i mean like you were saying about the movies you know iron man keeps losing his suit okay well is he still iron man mm -hmm. i mean you know, sure. batman they took away his wealth you know i mean and then they start harboring on these side characters and someone gets the idea to make them better than the main character like nightwing dick grayson yeah, one of the most powerful characters ever. Yeah, it's kind of wild that you know uh, a character that was just sort of the human <laughs> target <laughs> for you know in Batman comics is now you know fully with the Batman family is one of the stronger sets of characters uh, in comic books right now. I would say uh, the Batman mm -hmm. family they're really producing really good stuff. Um, yeah, I think that, but I it, it's tough because I, I, I wouldn't want to be, I mean, I've always wanted to write comic books, but I wouldn't want to write them now because I think that there would be such an entrenched old school group of fans that would just be like, why are you doing this? I mean, like, now I agree. I personally think the fans are right when it comes to things like Spider-Man, where they actually are wanting him to advance ha wanting him to have a family wanting him to have more adult responsibilities and for whatever reason marvel editorial is just not having that and i think that was something that they did in dc that was a real a real smart choice like when they started having batman and all these characters started having children and some of it was you know on different earths because the huntress and all that sort of thing but it broadened the the characters and it it deepened them in a way that they had children that they had 
these lineages. Like, what was it? Infinity Inc. I think was the comic. Yeah, back in the day where it was second, yeah, second generation. Yeah, it was all these the generation of folks. I mean, DC's always been good about that, but Marvel has just sucked at that for for whatever reason. They just don't want to rock the boat and have these people have families and and I think you know it would be great because what ends up happening at Marvel is that you know although DC's been doing it a bit too much lately too but what happens at Marvel is you're constantly having these reboots where it's like okay we're just going to get a new writer team a new author a new artist team and uh we're just going to tell stories the same old stories in some way, shape, or form, when you could just say, you know what, we're just going to keep numbering, it's going to get to a thousand, and we're going to tell different stories, and we're going to have people grow. I mean, that's what made the Fantastic Four, one of, I think, one of the better titles in, in Marvel, even though it gets slept on, is that they extended their family. They had another child. They had all these other... Uh, people that became part of the family and they evolved it. And to me, that's much more interesting than Spider-Man still the superhero who can't seem to have money (laughs) or good luck or good luck. He's still, still fighting Mysterio, still fighting Dr. Octopus. It's like, you know, at a certain point, you, you know, I think that's what was great about the Superior Spider-Man, having Dr. Octopus take over Spider-Man. And and those were great comics, you know. Um, do something different, you know. And maybe I think the thing that Marvel needs to do is borrow a little bit from DC and start having people have families. And I think DC just needs to realize we don't have to be dark and gritty like Marvel or, you know, we can just, Oh, we got, we got enough dark characters. I mean, you, they don't have to be dark. Justice League dark was good enough to be in the dark part. You yeah. Don't have to deny you it. Don't, just, I mean, you know. they have, they have, I mean, I think that was one of the great things that I think that Alan Moore did with swamp thing and tying Constantine and swamp thing and Zatanna and all these other characters, because there's the darkness. I mean, there's, Dr. Fate, you could definitely go dark with those those titles. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think that was one of the reasons why JSA was such a good run was because, again, it's family, it's lineage, it's generations, people age, and it's okay. I mean, at this point, comic book companies, DC, Marvel, except for Image. Image is doing a whole different thing, which is also great. But, you know, as far as Marvel and DC, um, you know, just just own that you're going to have an older group of people collecting comic books. Just own it. And they want to see people like Peter Parker, yeah, struggle to beat whoever the bad guy of the week is, but maybe come home to his wife <laughs> and come home to his kid. Um, you know, and... Well, they don't know what to do also with, like, like uh, Dr. Octopus. It's probably Dr. Octopus, depending upon who you do. What I mean, Dr. Octopus in the comic. Mm-hmm. Probably like a good semi father to him. Mm-hmm. While you go to Toby Maguire, the Green Goblin was more like a father to him, mm-hmm. as in the first appearance, Doctor Octopus in the end in two, mm-hmm. because well, one was father from an intellectual point of view, you know, and one was more like an uncle father. Well, and, and I kind of connection, so you don't know what to do with. Well, and I think that's only the comics because the move the movies are doing a pretty decent job. Um, you know, Into the Spider Verse is doing an, a, a, an amazing job of capturing what Spider Man's about. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, I, the video games are capturing Spider Man in a really good way. But to the comics, it's just like, what you're going to still have this guy freaking broke and. <laughs> couch surfing and not having a place to it's like come on you know (laughs) he's just at this point that's just hard we can accept a lot of you know out there concepts with with comic books and sci-fi but at a certain point it's like no he's a superhero he's gonna have a job he could just be like "Ah, i'm gonna appear in all-star wrestling for 20 grand (laughs) <laughs> and just make 20 grand doing i mean he could make money it's like he's invented this web fluid come on he can he can he can pull it together enough but 
uh, I don't know who they're writing for. I don't know who they're writing for on that level. But anyway, so do you think to wrap this up, do we still have our nerd cred cards? Are we still credible? Yeah, we, yeah, we just, we're still nerds because we bounce around so much. We basically hit all generations of geekdom. Sure. So we still, you can come to us, email us at thatsoquantum at gmail.com, drakestorm at gmail.com, right? Right. Um, or, or urbandharma8 at gmail.com. Hit us up on That's So Quantum on YouTube. Uh, check us out. If you like us, subscribe. You know, subscribe to all the things. Like all the things. It's very important to hit the like button or the subscribe. Um, we're pretty consistent with uh, Old Man Blurred so far. So we get one out every week. Um, depending on my schedule, I'll get some out for sure. Uh, try to have it out on Monday. Um so you know yeah uh, just uh, enjoy yourselves and uh, I guess to wrap this up uh, don't be a stranger just be strange alright take care everybody <laughs>